Some movies are highbrow, some movies are lowbrow. Welcome to Highbrow Lowbrow. I'm Josh Kirschenbaum. I'm Cooper Gagan. Each week we pick a topic and pick two movies uh, about that topic, one highbrow, one lowbrow. Uh, this week, we're not doing that. This week is a debate episode. Uh, we are going to talk about one movie and discuss and debate, is it highbrow or is it lowbrow? And the movie is Gladiator, Gladiator the 2000 Ridley Scott movie, uh, which uh, is pretty great. I really like this movie. Yeah, I. this is a movie that I watched on my own just for personal enjoyment maybe a month ago. Which also made it kind of funny to have to go through it again because it is quite long. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, two and a half hours, uh, and it's weird because it's not like um, you know some movies are long just because you know they're very they feel bloated. Some movies are long just because like they have too much stuff going on. It's a lot. Gladiator is weird because I feel like there's not a lot I'd cut. It just things just kind of go long. There are a few things I would cut, but they're not. It's not bloat. They are things that are kind of integral to the plot that I think are not the interesting part of the movie. And it's like, especially with a movie like this, I mean, part of the appeal is the size of it. I mean, this is an epic, a capital E epic. It's billed as such. It has the budget. Like, I mean, that's when you go into Gladiator, it's like when, uh, um, I don't know, like, like a lot of big Marvel movies, like the big, like the, the, you know, the ones that do for three years, the Avengers one, those are always like three hours. And like, that's what people want. Like if you're, they're going big, it like it signals that like you understand the assignment there. Yeah. One thing that I would kind of cut, Maybe not because it's uh, not for plot reasons, but uh, all the kind of uh, stepbrother, all the uh, there's a lot of incest talk in this movie. It's kind of like, you know, when you click on a porn video because it has a good thumbnail and then it starts up and you realize that it's kind of a stepbrother thing. And you're like, I don't really want this, but I also don't want to have to find a new video. So you just kind of skip ahead past the story part. And then you're watching it, and then at some point the girl's like, I can't believe I'm fucking my stepbrother. And you're like, God damn it, why are you doing this to me? That's what this movie is like. That's the that's experience of watching this movie. Because it's just like, I came here for some gladiator fights, and then Joaquin Phoenix just trying to fuck his sister for some reason. And the funny thing is, I, earlier in the movie, he's still, you know, there is that uh, uh, tension, but like, you know, that it, it's it's subtext for a lot of the movie. Yeah, and then it it's becomes very, real heavy text. Right, it, and it, it's, it's loud subtext, because this is a loud movie, and I think like that's, I think that's a strength of it. Uh, but yeah, and then just like I was like thirty minutes from the end, it just suddenly go. He goes from I have this fixation on you, and I'm this creepy guy to I I'm you, you, yeah, we're doing this. I, yeah. I, I, this is an incest movie now. Um, but I, yeah, you're right. I could I could lose it, but it's I mean, it's it's a thing. It's it's a weird note because I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know why we need that part of the movie. It's not. But I'm not offended by it. He's just, he's just I mean, I'm, very I'm offended evil. by the concept of fucking your sister, but right. like in this movie, yeah, I guess it just makes him extra evil. It's like yeah. extra evil sauce. He is so so over the top as a villain, um, like truly, truly, deeply. Like, like it's one of those things where just like sometimes a movie like kind of gets you on the villain's side. Sometimes like you know like they're inter- like this is really like what if we just made the least agreeable man ever, oh, yeah. uh, and and faced him off against. Uh, the greatest man ever, who ever lived, Maximus Decimus Meridius. Yeah, a little prickly, but that's really his biggest sin. <laughs> He's pretty much perfect, and like that's fine. I, actually, it works for me in this movie. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying. I don't necessarily want him to be a more complex hero. No, it's like a very. I mean, it's a, it's a revenge thriller yeah. at, at its core, but mm-hmm. like done on like a very grand scale. I think it's. Uh, and it, it's, it's the rest. we should talk about what this movie's about. Yeah, you should probably tell us the plot of it. Right, like the plot of Gladiator. Um, so. 
Uh, oh, I just realized I forgot to look up the writers. I feel like such a piece of shit. I'll do that. I'll do that once we're done. Um, Maximus, Decimus Meridius. He's a war hero general in ancient Rome. Uh, the emperor chooses Maximus as his heir, passing over his obviously evil son, Commodus. That's the sister fucker we were talking about. Uh, Commodus kills the emperor, takes the throne, tries to kill Maximus, and successfully kills Maximus's family. While he's on the run, Maximus is taken by slave traders, forced to be a gladiator. He's super good at killing people, so he gets really popular. Commodus learns he's alive, but can't kill him because, like I said, he's too popular. So Commodus stabs Maximus and fights him in the arena. Like, he's going to be like, I killed him and everyone loves me. Uh, but then uh, Maximus kills him instead and returns the Republic to the Senate uh, and then dies. Yeah. Which is uh, happy. It portrayed he goes to a literal, like, tangible heaven. Yeah, Elysium. Yeah. I think is their heaven. Yeah, and I I think that's a kind of a cool like it's it's a confidence of the movie that it's wanted to just sort of depict the literal Roman heaven and just like as a side thing. Yeah, this is definitely a thing in historical movies being less shy about depicting a literal heaven or a literal ma- making their gods real. In general, it it I maybe it's the confidence that like it, I guess sometimes I bump on it, but like in It's a Wonderful Life, which, you know, it's something that doesn't work for you, but works for me. Like that movie just starts out like God talking to angels in literal Christian, like specifically like 1950s Christian heaven. Uh, and it works. And I'm just on board with it because it sets off the plot of that movie. Uh, and then sort of I feel about it in Gladiator, where it's just like they, this is just what it is. He's dying. I mean, you could see it as a, you know, him imagining it because he's dying. That's yeah. Oh, it, uh, a, uh, yet another... A Jacob's, Jacob's Ladder, Ladder situation. situation. Yeah. yeah. Although that less so because, you know, it doesn't really affect the we the act what we're seeing in the movie is happening. Right. It's just is he dying and going to heaven or is he dying and imagining he's going to heaven? I feel like it's less of a rug pull. Yeah, and more of a is, like how you interpret it. Yeah, he is hallucinating while still alive when you see the gate. Yeah. Uh by the way, Ridley uh Ridley Scott directed Gladiator. Yeah. Uh written by uh, some other people. Oh. I forgot to look it up. Look at look. We'll 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 give look, you a second look, to look okay, it up. Okay, thank you. Okay. Side note: thing that pisses me off when you Google uh, a movie, it'll you know like it'll Google show kind of facts about the movie on the side. Shows the director, not the writer. It, it just shows story by uh, Dave Franzoni. So story by Dave Franzoni. Right. Uh, but I know there's other writers on this, and they are right because it got shopped around for a little bit because uh, it's based on and it's also based on a book. It's I think it's loosely based on a book. I think it's like inspired by a book because I'm I think looking it was at called it those now. who are about to die. Yes. So it's written, written by John Logan and William Nicholson. John Logan actually did a lot of these historical movies in the, in this time period. He's a very big uh, screenwriter. I think uh, we don't have to get into it, but I was reading this earlier, but yeah, like it's like inspired by the book, but not actually like based on it. Like right. it's not, you know, he got the idea from the, for the story from that book, but it's not in the credits based on this book, which I think is often the right way to kind of adapt a book because it's just this problem of some stories work best in different medium media, or even a story designed for a book sometimes cannot be told for a film. Yeah. And it depends. Is it like, I mean, I didn't really read this book. No. Um, is it like, was it a case of this book? Like, like he read this book and just like wrote a screenplay. That's basically the book, but didn't give it credit. Or is it, you know, he read a book about a gladiator who fights an emperor and then did research about other gladiators and who and emperors and stuff and then kind of wrote his own thing based on that very brief. Yeah. You know, it's well, not like is the story by the novelist. Uh, I don't think so. I think he was because that movie. would that would explain a story by novelist uh, just says he's the screenwriter. Hmm, interesting. Right. He has just conceived the story for co- we don't we don't have to get around to that. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's we, we like to have credit to writers on the show. Uh, and that's gladiator. 
Yeah. And uh, we're done. And we're done. See ya. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And watch Gladiator. It's a good movie. Yeah. Um, so it, and on the debate subject, I want to say yeah. this time, this is maybe the only time I'm really coming in pretty strong. Like, I think this is just a highbrow movie. Like, I think I, I'm, I'm, I'll am I'm entertain the arguments, and I do see them, and I do see the parts of it, especially because we talked a lot about how, you know, the kind of people who like a movie often kind of define what kind of movie it is, and Gladiator is all uh, somewhat like Tombstone or yeah, Last Debate. Yeah, I would describe this as pretty firmly a bro classic. Yeah. Which, I guess, what what are our other bro classics? I guess we would I mean, say... Scar- Scarface is a big one, but Scarface is absolutely a lowbrow, like proudly... A bro down at your, you know, yeah. your tippy toes. But then there's Pulp Fiction, which I would consider a bro classic, which you think is straight up highbrow. Yeah, easily. And I think is a little bit, a little bit in the middle more. I think Departed. Yeah, I mean Departed. I think also highbrow. Um, but also obviously it's like a fun action movie. I mean that's why we had debate episodes. Yeah, and that's why the the show the show is so great because the line is often thin and that leads to interesting discussions. Yeah, and I guess. I think last time when we were talking about Tombstone, I really thought about what makes a bro classic, mm-hmm. and I really think it is that. It's that aspect where it has a subject matter that feels important and makes you feel fancy, but it also gives you your dessert, which is all the fight scenes and mm-hmm. quippy dialogue and a lot of fun stuff that mm-hmm. maybe a more even more serious movie that didn't have this kind of back and forth wouldn't bother with. That's true. But then again, you do. All, I mean, it, it there. I mean, who can truly grasp the enormity of the mind of the American bro? Yeah, there's um, so much going on in there. We should like, you know how they're after like uh, the 2016 election, there are all these articles like we went into Trump country to talk to voters to see what makes them tick. Can we yeah. have that for, for like bros? Yeah, Can we like send in a reporter? To a front house? Yeah, just send them to like the University of like, um, I don't know, Miami. Yeah. Feels like a pretty pro place. Uh, and just talk to them about like why they like Scarface and Tombstone and, um, um, you know, Pulp Fiction and... I guess Fight Club is a bro classic. Fight Club is a bro classic. I mean, these are uh, the other connecting part. Of these are movies that are like about men. Yeah, very much about men and about men fighting each other. Yeah, and about yeah. like the role of men. I mean, to uh, to a degree. I mean, I think actually Gladiator does this quite well, whereas a lot of other bro classics maybe don't. Yeah. Um, they're, they're like telling a story about what it means to be a man and the right for sort forms of masculinity and stuff, which we can do in a little bit. Speaking of lowbrow Scarface, remember that phase when we were like in middle school where people would wear those giant oversized Looney Tunes shirts that were Scarface themed? It would be <laughs> Tasmanian Devil as the Scarface poster or something. I do remember that. That was super duper weird. I feel like I remember reading an article about why that happened. It was it came out of Space Jam kind of. I think it was before that. I think Space, Space Jam, Jam was a commercial before it was a movie. I think Space Jam might have come out of that. No, cuz Space Jam was a commercial for like shoes. It was a commercial for Jordans, I think, right. that had uh you know, uh, Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny and then yeah, that was so popular. But is there was there just a pre-existing connection? So what I remember, this is from me reading an article on some website maybe a year ago, but I remember there being a popular kind of custom shirt company in New York that was making these kind of trendy at the time mashup shirts of Looney Tunes characters and making them kind of either gangster or Scarface or whatever. And I feel like then the studio, then the actual WB kind of latched on to popularity of that and started making their own official version of it. Yeah. I honestly, I have no idea. I mean, part of it exists today on Venice, on Venice Boardwalk. Obviously, when you walk around there and all those weird shirts still exist, yeah. like that's like just like the ending place of all dumb shirts. All themed graphic tees always eventually end up in their resting place at Venice Boardwalk. I hope one day our big 
Beholder logo will end up on Venice Boardwalk. In between a Bazinga and something with Peter Griffin. Yeah, we should actually just incorporate all of those design... Okay, if we just incorporate all the design elements of Venice Boardwalk shirts into our shirt, then maybe it'll be most accepted by the people. So it's the logo of our heads with like Bazinga and like Rick, lots of Rick and Rick and Morty and stuff. The, yeah, Rick and Morty and the Scarface logo, which actually works with our logo because it's that kind of split black and white thing. And like all those like really shitty, like bro like like slogans. Like, yeah, like, like FBI, female body inspector. I'm not gay, but $20 is $20. Yeah. Like, those that are just peppered across like venice right um and i'm sure like in i, mean, I want to um but in like graffiti font right exactly like the same ones you can find in uh, the um i forget what it's called but the freaking the san francisco version of, of venice boardwalk i went over that fisherman's wharf no is that seattle i don't know it, that, that is an sf i don't know if that's venice boardwalk-esque i haven't if, spent as much time there as you have if you're if you're from the bay area and you're listening uh give us a five-star rating and write, let us know in the review <laughs> yeah let us know how little we know about sf <laughs> Um, so Gladiator, uh, a movie was super weird for me to watch today, uh, because I did not realize how many times I'd seen it because my best friend growing up adored this movie, super into Roman shit, super into like action movies. So like, I think every time I went over to his house for like three years, he was watching it Okay, his DVD. So I think I've seen every scene of this movie, like out of order, yeah. but, like 20 times. So it was kind of like as if I had watched, like, you know, I've seen The Big Lebowski like 20, 20, 30 times. Sure. And I watched that movie and I'm like, it's like a different experience because I know it so well. I did not expect to have that experience of the movie I had not seen in over 15 years. Oh, of just like instant recognition? Right. It was like being home. It was like watching uh, like an episode of Community that I'd seen a million times. That was just sort like, of like going into it because you know it already. That was my exact experience of watching Friends as soon as it came out on Netflix because my mom would religiously watch Friends when I was a child. and. Yeah. I always knew I'd seen a bunch of episodes of Friends, but then actually watching it beginning to end, I didn't realize how many, most of the episodes I remembered pretty much the exact plot of. And it was this weird, like, zoom back into my memory. I will say, it made it tough for me to reevaluate it because, I, I, you know, this is a movie kind of rife for reevaluation. Obviously, movie anything you love as a kid and come back to. Yeah. And I think I, I just, it felt like, I don't know. It felt like going home and having like Thanksgiving, uh, you know, turkey. It was just sort of like being home again. It was like walking over to Max's house, three streets, three blocks down to Secor Road, like every you know Tuesday evening or whatever. Right. So that's kind of why I feel like this movie is lowbrow in some ways, is because it because my friend had the DVD. Yeah. Every what we have to find out all of his other DVDs, and that's how we'll get our list of lowbrow movies. That Saving Private Ryan, The Matrix. Yeah. Again, those are all to Belleville. Those are well, not true to Belleville. His parents are French. Yeah. Okay. But those are kind of the the bro the bro classics, the dad classics, where they're just they are fun to watch, and especially every single individual scene is often fun to watch. But if I could put, I mean, we talk about a lot about how ju- uh, the reaction of something by the fans does not define what a thing is. That's true, right? We talk so I mean, just because the bros love glad you know, if the bros all suddenly loved like Gosford Park. For some insane reason, right? But it would what, not make Gosford Park a, a lowbrow. That's true. But what I'm saying is that the reason the bros like it is because there is something inherently inside of it that they are sniffing out, like a like a oh. truffle dog for big. It's where there's it's, smoke, mid, there's so fire. The bros are the midichlorians, like they're attracted to the force, but they don't create the force, exactly. and that's like a signifier of yes, it. Yes, yeah, that's a, a take. They sense <laughs> the bros sense something within these movies. The movies were created by these great directors, these auteurs, mm-hmm. and with high high aspirations for awards but there's something inside of it this little truffle this truffle of broness deep in the woods and that little piggy snorted it out so let's talk about uh i'm gonna let's put on, i'm gonna put on my my low my low brow hat i was wondering why you brought a stack of hats i'm enjoy, i'm really enjoying this hat metaphor i think it might become like a hat guy anyway okay um oh man we should make hats 
Yeah, we could do we that. Should, we should make... Please check out our merch page. Oh, my God. One hat is says highbrow and has one side of the help beholder head. Yeah. The other one says lowbrow and, like, and has just like... your like One of them is like lowbrow, oh, your like, face, half of your face. One's highbrow, half of my face. And you can get one... That's like a super tall in his bowl. It's like his and hers hats. <laughs> exactly. That's okay. exactly what it's like. Uh, let's talk about the lowbrow, lowbrow stuff. So devil's advocate for me. Here's some here's some lowbrow shit. Uh, a man gets cut in half. Yep. Uh, someone throws a sword. Multiple people will get cut in half, I think. Maximus throws a sword across the woods and impales the guy with it so hard he falls off a horse and dies. Okay. I think throwing swords is automatically lowbrow. Okay, so this is my one of my like four notes is that I I, I know we said that having two guns is the coolest <laughs> thing, but I think actually throwing a sword to a guy and a horse might actually be the coolest thing. There's a scene. There's a lot of throwing swords in this movie. Something really you is. should never do. No, it's and the thing is, they are there they, are weapons designed for long distance. Yeah, and also even throwing a sword to a guy, eighty percent of it is Bad sharp. Idea. Yeah, it's like you should not do that. You wouldn't toss a knife in the kitchen. No, no. Chefs famously are very careful about not doing that. A falling knife has no end. Yeah, a thrown sword uh, is same, awesome. Is, is awesome as shit. Automatically lowbrow and also has no end. Yeah. Um. So that's super lowbrow. I mean, there's. There's the it really is the most on its face stuff is the uh is the action element of it. It, it this is an action movie. Yeah, okay. And the action set pieces are great. Oh, tremendous like some of Ridley Scott's best work just in terms of like how well like it's really really hard to create this much an action scene like this. It is funny though cuz watching it again, I was surprised by there's fewer actual gladiator fights than you would think for a three-hour-long movie. But yeah. that's often just a thing in action movies at all. You you remember the action parts because those are the most memorable parts, and you think mm-hmm. about it all the time. And then when you go back to the movie, there's actually less action usually. Yeah, I think there's three, basically. There's three in the Coliseum, and then there's one before that, the Are You Not Entertained? Well, I think there's two there's, in the smaller one. Yeah, there's two in like the, the AAA feeder league. Right, there's, yeah, there's two in uh, Bellator. Yeah. Bellator is not it's like it's like discount it, UFC yeah so yeah so there's the well I guess the, there's just his first fight where they're chained together right then there's the are you not entertained fight which right. is just him like kind of like stunting which is a direct reference to Spartacus because in Spartacus he throws the um trident at the organizers yeah and then so then you got your two feeder league and then he goes up to the big leagues, and Where then he's like set up to lose because it's like the it's like the uh, the the Battle of Carthage. Yeah, there's a Battle of Carthage. That's the first one, which is a very fun scene. That's the chariots. Yeah, chariots That's is so great. fucking good. Person gets cut in half there. Yeah, and then it's the Gaul, or is there one in between that and the Gaul? No, then it's yeah, it's the one with the tigers. That's the Gaul. Yeah, so there's yeah. one with the tigers. See, the tigers the more interesting thing to me than than the Gaul. Well, a real slam against the Gauls who are French. Are they French? Uh, I think so. I do find it interesting. I mean, this is more getting into how Roman history is interesting than how this movie is interesting. But the fact that he's a Spaniard, there's a German guy with him, they're fighting a Gaul. Like, just just the all the colors of the white rainbow are represented here. Um, yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to touch it. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's just it, it is interesting to see. I mean, you, you kind of, in these three characters, you kind of see the reach of the Roman Empire, which oh, is yeah. interesting. But then the actors don't affect accents at all, which is weird. Which I really, really appreciate. I don't know. I mean, I think... I don't want to see Russell Crowe trying to do a Spanish accent. No, he's already doing, uh, like, an American accent, which is weird. because He's already hiding his Australian accent. Right. 
Um, I think, but I like that. What if, what if he couldn't hide his accent? So in this world, Spaniards all sound like Australians. So if we ever see other Spaniards, they have to have Australian accents. <laughs> I think uh, that would be too much for this movie. I think this movie is very earnest. It's very hard on its leave. It's like not very... It's not very funny. I will say that. Like it's. I think it's, there's maybe one. Jo- there's the one joke where he says it's a revisionist history when they the they lose the battle. They win right. the battle of Carthage. Yeah, it's very like, and I, I it's something I appreciate. I saw. I just came out of Spider Man. I saw it earlier today, and obviously, very different. Trying to do very different things, Spider Man and Gladiator. But Gladiator is a big budget uh, action movie. Um, that is not like it doesn't have a lot of quips, doesn't have a lot of jokes. It's very much a trust itself to tell its story and be its thing, which I feel like humor and quips and things like that have kind of embedded themselves into the modern blockbuster a little more. So like yeah, seeing something with, like this which thrown back a little more. Obviously, you know, this isn't Spider Man. Spider Man at this time was also very funny. Yeah. Um I don't know, just something that's on I my think mind. it sounds like you're talking kind of about how Marvel has to have this wry take on everything yeah and and you see it in star wars now you see it in um star wars essentially is marvel at this yeah. point yeah but i feel like there's just maybe just as a culture we become a little more jaded or come a little more like wry and ironic um but and, i did really appreciate watching this that this movie was uh was not that that it was very earnest was very emotional and straightforward in that way yeah I mean, the one great slamming joke is when he grabs a man's balls and uses that as a negotiating tactic, <laughs> which is hilarious. It's, and, it is pretty and, funny. And, and, and lowbrow. I'll admit, that's lowbrow. Grabbing a man's balls is just under uh, throwing a sword for things that are Yeah, I mean, the only lowbrow lower thing would be if he just continuously farted into his face until he got a good deal. And then threw a sword in celebration. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Gladiator... Um, well, like I said, the action, it is a big action movie. It also is like a, a kind of like a big epic drama. Yeah. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to like, there's the, all the like, um, all the finagle behind the scenes of like, uh, Derek Jacobi and the, who's the member of the Senate. Okay. That's, that's what I want to talk about yeah, go is for how political this movie is. It feels like it's the quintessential old man director move to get really weirdly into politics in a way that is deeply boring. But I think like Godard did that with well, all his later movies are all, and they're also, they're like, 60s french politics which are even more incomprehensible to me as a american <laughs> that's not a reference that i understand but i understand the point that you're making yeah um yeah but i that I mean that's the highbrow of it right is yeah. that it's trying to i think this movie actually is if this is a movie for dumb people um if it is a movie made by smart people who are who are like dumbing things down right like, i think the points they're making about like how the Roman government worked and how governments are put together in general. Like there's the line about how Maximus will be accepted as emperor because he can, he has the loyalty of the army. Right. You know, there's the bit about the, uh, the Senator saying like, Oh, this emperor is very smart. He's giving people games back, which is like shoring up his power among the people. Yeah. That stuff is fun, but I will say all, all the finagling and the talking about the Senate and the, how the Roman government works was the least engaging stuff to me. Maybe I'm just discovering I'm a stupid person. Well, it's tough because when the other stuff in the movie is is sword throwing and people getting cut in half. Yeah, I know. It, it, and because Russell Crowe is so compelling in this movie that when he's not on screen, I'm just like a little bit upset. True. And it's also very in the weeds about government. It's like watching C-SPAN, but in the Roman, in the Roman Empire. Yeah. And then... It also it makes a pretty easy point. It's not like it's a great revelation that 
you know, tyranny is bad. And also politicians sometimes don't quite represent the people as well as they say they do. Although it's the, the argument is less, it's less that and more, you know, that it's like dictators don't represent the people as much as they say. Well, I guess di- are dictators, politicians, they're kind of like, they don't play politics. I mean, they are in, they work in politics. They work in politics. Well, they don't work very hard. Well, they work hard at, but not at like, at, like murdering elections. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I see politics like elections, but you're government. I mean, Government most, most dictators call themselves the president or something. That's true. But the um the point make, the, like the point about just like that the government like has these different working parts to it. Like the acknowledgement like a lot of Roman history is who can get the loyalty of the government, who has the treasury, like shoring up power among the people, like using like you know the bread and circuses of it all to mm-hmm. like control power, you know that like like seizing worrying about like your standing versus the senate, like a lot of that stuff like it's not maybe obviously this is like a very stripped down version of it. But the yeah. fact that it's in here and that the movie has that stuff on its mind, I think, is a check on the on the highbrow side, if we're still in debate. Mode. It's definitely on the highbrow side. I'd say if I have one criticism of this movie, which I don't have a ton of criticisms of this movie, I like this movie, I would say that that stuff is just very abstract and it's not an emotional story at all. It has There are ways to tell stories about that sort of thing in a way that, I don't know, are deeper and more less pontificated. Yeah, it's the B plot. You know, the A plot is Maximus Decimus Meridius, uh, a leader of the Northern Army, you know, something of the Felix Legion. I can't do the whole Father to a murdered son. Father to a mother's son. Husband to a murdered wife. wife. Uh, And he will have his vengeance in this life or the next. And that's, that's why we're here. Right. And, but then we spend probably 45 minutes going back (laughs) I think some of it is these senators. I think some of it is interesting because um, to make a a a highbrow reference, it it feels like Coriolanus a little bit. Coriolanus is a Shakespeare play about a famous general and warrior who is convinced to get into politics because that's kind of what you do, Mm -hmm. and uh, doesn't go well for him. He's a he's he's a man who's built built to kill a lot of people and is not built to be like. His famous speech is like the senators don't take kindly to it. They like, you know, maneuver against him. He gets really mad, kills a lot of people. Um, and this kind of felt like the inverse of that, where like it felt like kind of what I did like the runner of them going to him with politics and him kind of being like, I don't want to be a politician. I just want to like, I just want to like fight and like get revenge. Right. Um, and like him, that him trying to be this like, you know, I will do my work and then go back and like step away and give Rome back to the Senate, I think is like an interesting dynamic for him. I think it's probably less interesting when it's like, you know, Joaquin Phoenix, who I think is not, I think has given better performances, you know, just kind of yeah, like whining is, about Jer- Derek Jacoby, who is also a great, very good actor. I like though. Yeah. It is funny to think of this as not a good Joaquin Phoenix performance because he is so good naturally that it's pretty good, but yeah, he's kind of just sniveling and snarling and yeah. not given a whole lot. Yeah. Just, just made the point that uh, Joffrey did it better. Um, which is not Joaquin's fault. It, that's you know eight years later. But, yeah. Oh God, only eight years, man. Game of Thrones got a long ass time ago. I know, man. Remember Game of Thrones? Yeah. Remember when it then it had no impact on society <laughs> because it had, well, admittedly it had four back to back bad seasons. Right. I mean, two it, of which are recognized as bad seasons. It was the biggest phenomenon. It was like everywhere at cons. Everyone was talking about it on the internet. Everyone had shirts and had fucking memes and like talked about like, re- like it was a year round phenomenon that ran for like two months a year. I, I miss having that kind of water cooler show, which is Game of Thrones. You could rely on as the one show that almost everybody you interacted with on a daily basis had at least heard of probably watched and you could talk about it. And it's, it was such a, 
I've never heard like there are things that have bad endings that still exist. Like yeah, Star Wars Lost. still exists. Lost still exists. Dexter still exists. Dexter exists again now. Yes, it, it has been reborn. It had an iconic uh, bad ending. Haven't seen. Won't judge. Um, but came back with yeah. the original creator and everything. And Game of Thrones, which was one of the, probably one of the most profitable shows in the history of anything. Yeah. Uh, is gone. It's so much so. Well, that, I mean, other than like every single show from the '90s, but well, so much. Well, I mean, considering the merch, oh. I'm talking about every money maker. Okay, this okay. Thing. Maybe, maybe you got it there. Like this is a like massive multimedia. I like, feel like Friends still games. must beat it more than board games, video games, hats, shirts, like pants, shoes. There are beers that are right, Game of Thrones even band branded. On, even on its worst day, Friends had. 15 million viewers more than Game of Thrones. I don't know. Like, look, we're, we're arguing in circles. We'll never be able to prove it because we don't have any financials in front of us. Yeah. I just think that, like, they, at its peak, this was like a, there were streams of revenue coming in from all over the world in all these different markets in all these different ways. And it just gone. Like, yeah. and I mean, I still do see mobile ads for Game of Thrones mobile games. So maybe they are still monetizing it somewhere. I will say, and even there's even less excitement for the books. Well, yeah, yeah, true. Well, also that was kind of because it took so long for them to come. Right? Out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that was kind of a perfect storm there. Yeah, but it 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 really is. I mean, we're getting off track, but it just has to be said. It's truly unbelievable that something could be that big and mess up not just badly, but in a way that creates such indifference. Right? Yeah, because people don't even want to go back to the originals to the first good no, seasons. No, I know a lot of pe- a lot of people in my life love rewatching TV shows, and none of them are going back to Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, to, to get on, wait, I want to I want to get on my little soapbox real quick. Soap it up. You brought some hats. I brought some soap, <laughs> and it's box. I'm gonna first. I'm gonna have to empty out all the soap. So, so give me about 15, 20 minutes to do that. That's fine. Please, please do. Okay, and we're cutting back. We're cutting back in. This is fifteen minutes later. There's a yeah, lot of soap on my bed. As if it's time. Seamless edit. Yeah. Um. I think I my theory is that I think Game of Thrones is the last water cooler show that we might ever have because of how fractured TV is right now. There are so. So we've talked about it before that we were past, we're past the golden age of TV. And we're into peak TV, right. which is it's about quantity, not quality. Right. Is that there are dozens and dozens of shows across many, you know, tens of networks, mm-hmm. and it's just impossible to because of that. The landscape is so fractured that no one show can really break out and get that giant audience base that allows you to talk about a movie with your friends in the same way. I will say there's two that. Um there's two that almost are that. Squid Game? Squid Game's one, which is weird because like normally when Netflix drops something that's like trends a little bit, like they do that constantly. Mm-hmm. But this one really got to like such a massive phenomenon scale, which is kind of interesting. And the other one is sort of Stranger Things, which is an event when it drops. But the that's issue true. with that is it, it you kind of binge it all and you talk about like the that's moment true. is shorter. It yeah. w- I think it's, if they did, hey, Stranger Things are doing three weeks. We're dropping three episodes at a time. I think that would like people would be building yeah exactly yeah know? because yeah because those are netflix they all drop at the same time so everybody kind of watches it in you know a week and a half yeah at some, and it's not really the same thing as just we used to have watching parties for game of thrones yeah. we used to gather everybody in an apartment and we watch it together people and would we'd, volunteer we'd switch around whose place we'd make snacks yeah we would, we would cook food to watch a tv show yeah and now we're sitting in a room alone talking about gladiator yeah how far we've come. How far we've come. <laughs> Although, here's my artful segue back. Oh, here well, we go. Uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, has someone thrown a sword in Game of Thrones? Probably. Wait, what? 
Has so someone yeah, thrown a sword? I, I would be willing to bet. I don't. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I would be willing to bet money that then, somebody has thrown a sword at some point of Game of Thrones. Then Gladiator, Gladiator obviously is an influence then on on this huge show. You don't think anybody threw a sword before the film Gladiator? I'm saying you have no proof, and we should talk about Gladiator more. Yeah. Okay, I have something. <laughs> okay, what's your thing? Did Hans Zimmer literally just copy and paste this theme for Pirates of the Caribbean? I think so. Because I mean, it is it's the very, Pirates of the Caribbean It's theme. very, very similar. I think the Pirates theme is better just because it's a little more me- memorable. Uh, but yeah, it puts, puts a little bit more sauce on it, but yeah. it's pretty much the same. Yeah, I will say, uh, I was thinking this because I want to talk about the score. I feel like Gladiator, the score is so influential. Like I feel like because the, it's pi- on yeah, the, on it's the pirates, film Pirates of the Caribbean, but, like a lot of epics like use it. I feel like all oh, the the singing, the like kind of like oh the, yeah, the, the singing, the, the guitar, the light guitar, whatever that's called. Like a lot of scores after this have have went into the zone. Um, like we're, I feel like Man on Fire is a score that goes back that that has the kind of same vibe. I have no memory about the film Man on Fire Man score. On good. I have memory of the movie Man on Fire because yeah. remember when he puts a bomb in a man's asshole to interrogate him? Yeah. You he, know what's funny? What's funny? He didn't have to do that. He, he could have just taped the bomb to the small of his back and would have had the same effect. He, he would have really done, wanted to get in that man's asshole. He really wanted that man to be terrified. There's a lot of butthole. And, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm going. Oh, question, not the need. I'm, I'm going real blue this episode. <laughs> Uh, Man on Fire, great movie, love it. Great, great Denzel performance. Uh, yeah. Directed by the other Scott, Tony. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, who is not Ridley? Who directed Gladiator? Which we're going to fucking talk about. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. That's the rest of my notes. I have politics are boring. Hans Zimmer used this theme. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. We're gonna talk about a silly thing. We're talking about a serious thing. What, what are you silly. feeling? Silly. Hit, hit me with the silly. Okay. Uh, I feel like the acting overall in this movie. Okay. Is I feel like there are three. There's three like zones here. You got everybody who's not uh, Joaquin Phoenix or, or Russell Crowe. Okay, and all of them are it's like they got like the the like most. They got every British actor they could, and they're just like just do the most acting. They're right. like all coming out of the most like mannered, theatrical, like hoity-toity, like like Ian McKellen-y, like fucking make every beat of every thing like kind of like a thing. Yeah, I mean, everything is like, it's their scene they auditioned with. Exactly. Like, Oliver Reed as uh, Proximo. The, okay. The glad dude, I was going to say. He's, he's acting his fucking balls off. He is acting everyone's balls off. Everyone's balls just drop to the floor when he's doing that scene when he's talking about going back to the Coliseum. That's such a good scene. I it's, love that scene. It is. I mean, really, that should should have been his monologue to audition. It is just so good. Yeah. I don't... I. Uh, yeah, not to just suck off a bunch of actors, but that is the best. Oliver, Oliver, you're allowed to suck off the dead ones. It's fine. Yeah, he died during production. Yes, it's funny you mentioned dro- the balls dropping the floor because Russell Crowe famously let the balls hit the floor. Let the balls hit the floor. <laughs> Russell Crowe famously said Oliver Reed dropped like dropped to the floor, like basically just on set. Like it was like a very sudden death on the set of Gladiator. No, that's not the segue I was expecting. Well, you heard you said drop on the floor and it made me think of that. Okay, because no, I was, no, I was no. googling for this movie. So that's like. Some of the acting. Yeah. So like every single person except Russell Crowe, who is like, I think genuinely understated, like a very human performance. Like, yeah, he's doing good. Maybe my favorite Russell Crowe performance, uh, even though I think people, people come back to this one for the movie more for the Russell Crowe, but I mm-hmm. think he's really good in this movie. Russell Crowe, mostly known for grumbling and making faces. He's not like an actor's actor, really. I mean, he had that run. I like Confidential. Nice uh, LA Confidential Gladiator, Beautiful Mind was like within four years of each other that's like his breakout yeah 
Uh, and then all oh, the nice guys is great. L.A. Confidential, he's actually Incredible. very good. In that. That's a really good. That's movie. more of an. He's doing more acting in that movie than this movie. I think he's I'm doing not saying, a lot in Gladiator. Yeah, I'm not saying no. Uh, listen, I'm not <laughs> saying he's bad in this movie. I'm saying he is a very stoic guy, mm-hmm. but he's doing more acting. Like he gets to have more range as a character in that movie. Yes, that, it's, it's more. Um, well, he's not because he's not the lead of this big revenge thing, and because his character has like faults and stuff. Yeah. And seemingly more interiority, right? Than 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 Maximus, who is kind of, I mean, it, we made this reference uh, in a previous episode, but he's like he's doing John Wayne, man who shot Liberty Valance. He's like the wild, violent man who has to like shepherd in the civilization. Sure, yeah. Um, although it, Rome already existed, so that doesn't quite make sense. Yeah, it's a little more complicated than that. Yeah. But I see what you're saying. But he's doing that acting, and then like Walking Phoenix is doing like something. Walking yeah. Phoenix is coming from fucking space. It is like a weird, crazy. He is like I mean, he he's is Jared Letoing this thing right up. He really, I, I bet he sent so, some dead animals <laughs> to somebody else on this set. It's such a it's such a crazy is he method. Walking uh, Phoenix. Yeah, I I don't I hope know. not because I enjoy liking Walking Phoenix as a man. I don't know. I do know he is uh, a bit odd. Yeah, I, I think that's okay. I think he'd admit that. Yeah, he's. I think he had a very strange life. Yeah, I mean, was he, he, he was he grew up in Children of God, right? Right. Yeah. Have we talked about. Do we talk about this on Mike? The, the children of God and the phoenixes or this we talk so much. I I don't think we've talked about children of God. I think I would remember that because I personally enjoy cults quite a bit. Yeah. Although children of God are super messed up. Yeah, and, do not endorse. But Walking Phoenix is a really incredible actor who is uh, just given a cartoonishly bizarre performance here. And I just I like I just like the idea that everyone else isn't like those two are in their own movies, and then all these other British actors are just like yeah yeah throw on a toga. I'll just read it like a Shakespeare. I don't care what it is. Yeah yeah. I do this every Tuesday for funsies. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like yeah, it's Oliver Reed, Derek Jacoby, Richard Harris. The three I'm thinking of the two like older British actors, right? Um, I, I, I don't know. I just think that's very fun. Oh, Jimon's doing in some interesting oh, stuff. Jimon's great, great actor. I guess other people don't know Jimon by his first name, Jimon Huntsu. Yeah, yeah, uh, very uh, multiple time Academy Award nominating actor. Um, he is uh, he's just one of the other gladiators with yeah. He, well, he's like he's his best friend gladiator, and he gets the ending of the movie, which is interesting. The closing scene of the movie, which is interesting, right? Uh, yeah, that is kind of cool. Oh, just speaking of the ending, very very cool moment where uh, Derek Jacoby comes in and just says like, "Who will help me carry him mm-hmm. of his body?" And they all pick him up and leave. Yeah, that's nice. Just really well written. Really, I kind of really I kind of wanted the movie to end on that. Not yeah. that I, I like Jimon. And I think he does great work in the scene after that, but I kind of wanted it to end on the big them carrying him out. I think that's like such a distillation of what the movie's about. Yeah. Like the movie is, I think the movie is really much, I mean, it's about violence and it's about masculinity. I think like it, if there is a theme, it's Maximus like facing that violence isn't like, isn't always the answer. There's a scene in the beginning where the emperor tells him like, we're not going to stop doing wars. And Maximus is like, are the wars useless? And he's like, we got to go back to Rome and like not kill people anymore. Right. And like, I think, you know, that's, if this movie is presenting like the correct paragon of masculinity, if it's like facing off like the good man of Maximus and the bad one of Commodus, like that scene where he's like, who will help me carry him? And all the men come to carry him up. Like that's a generally, I think, highbrow like depiction of the virtues of like of men. If right. That, if that is what the movie well, is. Well, it's because about. he is a guy who is not a warrior, does not make his way in the world by using his body or his physicality, but he is able to ask for help. Right. It It's... I think that's what so many bro classics don't get. I mean, there's so many, like, I'm comparing this, like, this movie, he he's loyal to his family, he's loyal to his men, he helps other people. One of the big scenes of the movie where Commodus tries to, like, taunt him into fighting, 
and he shows restraint and like that's a virtue yeah he is yeah he is not an anti-hero in one iota which i feel like bro classics often have anti-heroes yeah whereas he is like as upstanding a man as you can get and like i think a lot of bro classics are just like not that i mean i'm trying to think of like there's a scene in a Transformers movie where like Mark Wahlberg like crashes a spaceship into like a guy and the guy's like a nebbish guy who's like, do you have insurance for that? And the guy's like, no, I don't have insurance, you nerd. And he like punches him. Okay. And I feel like a lot of bro classics, like they get, they celebrate aggression. I'm thinking of this guy listening to a podcast about like, you know, masculinity and depictions of masculinity. Mm-hmm. They celebrate like aggression and just being a leader of men. And then they just are also celebrate just like being kind of a dick. And I feel like Gladiator... It, it, it's like shows of masculinity that is like, like aggressive and violent and like yeah. protective, but like protective and loyal and virtuous and oh. like show it's like if there is a way of for a bro classic to be like culturally like good it's gladiator the weird thing is that actually nobody is really a dick in this movie like Joaquin Phoenix <laughs> is well he's not a dick he's just an absolute madman right. who wants to fuck his sister and murder everybody he's a psychopath right. nobody's just kind of a snarky dick because even Tro- a little bit, but a not little really. bit. But he even he mostly comes into it as a mentor figure. Yeah, really from the jump. In yeah. his first scene, it's actually quite encouraging. He's saying like, "You will." He's like, "You you will die, and I will you know kind of be the cause of your death." But it will. I will help you master this art form that will be what you have to master right before you die, mm-hmm. and you will die to applause. It will be great. Yeah. And then later on, he has a scene in the when they're kind of in the dugout, and he's saying. You're gonna. It's like you're gonna stab, and you'll hear. And was it something? Is like you will. You will thrust your sword, and then the crowd will love you, and then you will love the crowd. Like he's yeah. kind of. He's like it's a coach. Cool. Yeah, he's like a sports movie. It, it, it actually is. Unironically, is a sports movie. Yeah, uh, which is good. Sports. I mean, maybe the only highbrow sports movie. Um, yeah, maybe shit. We can't go down that path. Dude, this person's basketball. This person's basketball. Yeah. Okay. Here's something. <laughs> if we brought back gladiator fights, would you watch? We we both like MMA Probably a lot. Probably not season one. What if they signed a waiver? It was so it's death race rules. Yeah, like it's like death race two thousand, not two thousand. Like you know, they're prisoners. Two thousand is the original, right? So death race in the new death race with Jason Statham, they're prisoners who are like racing to like get their freedom. Yeah, G- gamer rules. Yeah, so yeah, hundred percent don't endorse people being forced into gladiator fights. But if it was voluntary gladiator fights, I don't know where I'd be at on that. I would, I would be very interested to see how things play out. I don't know if I have I more to know. say on this. I don't. I don't know. I mean, well, being close, so there's like there's American gladiators, which are just like silly games. Yeah, so we're on board with that, right? And but what if they killed each other? I don't think I'd be down with people killing each other explicitly. I mean, if there was a thing, I feel like there's a way of side dooring of like backdoor piloting this into the culture. If you did it like glad, it's like MMA, and someone's like, oh yeah, it's MMA, but like. You you're not allowed to intentionally kill someone. Okay, but like but if someone dies, they die. No, 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 no. You start adding rules, and you just get back to sports, and sports are lame. It has to be people killing each other. Well, I think that's a tough sell. I think you got to work your way up to it. If you, you keep on adding rules, it. you're just going to get football, and then I have to watch that shit. I want gladiator fights. <laughs> well, I, that's you can't just leap. Right. The people aren't ready. You got it. It's incremental. They were ready change. in 600 BC, and it's not 600 BC. <laughs> What a time we missed that. What a bygone era that we missed out on. I really like the crowd. I mean, I like the theme of you have to get the crowd on your side. It's kind of interesting. I I mean, it is actually how real life MMA and boxing and those kind of spectator sports works. Yeah, you got to have fans. That's how they're protected. That's like why Conor McGregor gets away with like punching old men because he's got a bunch of punching old men is part of his brand. Yeah, that's why celebrities get away with shit because like people like them because they're like famous. Yeah. Okay, so mechanically, do you think it's realistic that the emperor actually?
actually can't kill him because the crowd likes him so much? Do I w- we actually think there's going to be violence in the streets if he does that? I think the movie does an okay job of making the sell of he's a new emperor who is taking over, who is not popular, taking over after an emperor who was, and is like giving, trying to like shore up his power at right. this exact. Like maybe if this was like ten years down the line, I wouldn't believe it as much. I I do say the thing I bump on the most is Commodus. Just saying, I'm going to fight you in the arena. That is pretty crazy. Because also, that should make him unpop. Although people will like If you can defeat that. him, yeah. Then yeah. it's like, I, it's, it's not like him being like, my men killed him. Like, I did it myself. I'm manlier than him. Which, yeah. you know, again, the if, if I'm taking this reading of him, he's the toxic male and, and Maximus is the anti- antidote. Yeah, what's the opposite what's of the toxic What's the opposite of toxic male? masculinity? Just like... Like a healthy male? Healthy, virtuous? Like a... What's the opposite of it? Like, yeah, I guess the antidote, the anti-venom male, anti-venom oh, male, the anti-venom male. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I just don't, I don't I mean, that's the thing I bumped out because especially because it, it's not a buildup to it. Like no one taunts him into it. It's just like, when it's that point in the yeah. movie, he walks up to Max and was like, oh, my plan is I'm going to stab you and kill you in the ring. Like, why not at that point, just kind of disappear him off, off site, off out of the game. Yeah. Or just like put it, put his hat on someone else. Helmet, I mean, not hat. His hat, his war hat. His war hat. His war face hat. Yeah. Oh, it's funny that that helmet, the other great influence it's had on the culture is that's the MF Doom mask. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, that's true, actually. I think it literally is MF Doom took a costume mask from Gladiator and just ripped off the top part. That's that's what MF Doom's mask is. Yeah, RIP. Oh, yeah. So one interesting thing about this movie is that I think it's kind of credited with a... At least, maybe not a resurgence, but a small bump in uh, interest in the sword and sandal genre, which used to be a really, it was a really popular genre, I guess, back in the 50s. I mean, in general, there were were more genres. Yeah. There there were more, there were a lot of pirate movies, there were a lot of, a lot of sword and sandals, a lot of swashbucklers. More buckles were swashed. Swashbucklers are really fun. But I will say, I think, when I was doing a little cursory Wikipedia reading, it seemed like the sword and sandal genre kind of got usurped by the Western Right. I think that one really won out. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting that it went away. I guess I understand it, but like... They're very... I mean, they're very expensive, which makes it true. hard. There's not guns, and people like guns. Gun, guns are... Guns pretty, are cool. Pretty cool. Two guns is cooler, though. Two guns are cooler. And if the, you could have 15 guns... That'd be a lot. There's too many guns. Oh, that, I mean, that is that one scene from... Um, the Simpsons where Mo ties a bunch of guns no, together? No, no. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. This is going to be... Once again, Cooper fumbling for a movie title. It's the one where... The guy's got six guns kind of harnessed to his chest. Oh, uh, Boondock Saints. Yeah, another yeah. bro classic. Right, where Willem Dafoe is like, uh, we're like, yeah, it's like, well, it looks like there was six guys with, it was like six guys with guns, or one guy with six guns. He's like, you idiot, couldn't be that, and then Gilligan cut is. to him doing that. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird fucking movie. It's should... very strange. It's funny how popular that movie that, is for how weird it is. That's also a bro classic. Yeah. I guess, is the connecting strand that there are movies about men? That they're men who bond together in these specific ways. I mean, is there any bro classic that is about women? I mean, it's not just like uh, that they depict men, but the movies are like about like a culture that like men are like teamed up on. Like so, like Gladiator is about a bunch of bros. Like it's really is a sports movie, like you said. Yeah. You know, um, uh, Tombstone, bunch of guys they join a game. They're they're cowboys who team together, and they're all about their like met their relations together. I guess sports movies are like that. I mean, are that it's, like it's, is the theme of the movie. Depictions of male friendship. Uh, yes, that is what I'm saying. Is 
I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise that bros like movies about bros. About yeah. bros being bros. About broing down. What's the ultimate bro down? It's a posse. Exactly. And Gladiator has so much broing down in it. There's a it scene really of them does. just like, you know, when they're eating food together. I mean, they're doing bits. They're doing bits together. Yeah. Uh, that, that giant man. He's Yeah, th- that's the big German guy who has literally no accent. R.I.P. Giant Man. He's so good. He's not in real life in that movie. It's, uh, it was oh. sad when he died. I don't he know died? if he's alive. He, large men are hard to live that long. Yeah, it's true. Um, I, I based uh, that on... Just Andre the Giant and no one yeah, else that I but, know. Oh, but then back to the sword and sandal as a genre. Because <laughs> I remember we were looking, we were originally going to pair this with something else as the lowbrow. Yeah. And, um, or even we wanted to do sword and sandal and it's really hard to find any highbrow sword and sandal. Or like any sword and sandal that's like explicitly, high, that is inarguably highbrow. And even harder to find a modern one. That's true. There's really, I mean... There's, yeah, the new ones, there's Troy. Right, which, which is lowbrow, I think. Yeah, was that trying to be highbrow? I don't know. It came, it came out in the summer. It was it's like a big it's action It's the player. Iliad. Right, but it's not, it specifically seems to not do, I, I feel like Troy is just, you describe Gladiator as Roman tombstone. I think Troy is actually like yeah. Sword and Sandals tombstone because it really is just like a big, it's so broad, it's doing so many things. It does have a huge, deep, really deep cast yeah. of like, really deep cast of star actors. I mean, it really does feel like a throwback to the epics or like old sword and sword and sandals epics where they just, would just kind of like, you know, softball, a powered line down the middle, ground rule double get like, like just doing the thing. Which is too bad because I want that kind of movie more. I was going to watch Troy the other night, but I'd already watched three hours of Gladiator. And then I saw that the runtime was three hours and I just couldn't do it. Um, but so like we talked a lot about how period is always highbrow when we talked about that was when you're we talking a lot more about like, you know, like dresses and fancy outfits and like, yeah. you know, like 1800s and, period. And also be, we, we were talking a little bit about how just because it's expensive and highbrow movies tend to be, I guess, a safer bet financially. That's true. Because you can be an awards play at least. Oh, sorry. I wouldn't say a highbrow movie is a, is a safer Maybe play. Maybe not safer, but not, not highbrow, but serious. A right. comedy is not necessarily a safe place. It, it depends, like, who you're selling. Like, okay, so if you're making a, a period movie, you're probably better off at highbrow because it's, people are more naturally, like, the high, you're more likely to catch the highbrow audience being like, oh, this is for me, than convincing a lowbrow, like, the people are going to see, you know, a, a Will Ferrell movie that, like, oh, this period is for me. Yeah. I get it, it, I don't know. I'm man. trying to think of lowbrow period comedies. I mean, I mean, I mean Holmes and Watson, speaking of yeah, Will Ferrell. Your Highness. A Shanghai Noon. Shanghai Noon. Shanghai Nights. Shanghai Nights. <laughs> the only one I've seen. I think Your Highness is Your Highness is weirdly a really big swing. It's that fantasy. It's a fantasy. It's not period. It's fantasy. It's Arthurian though. Oh, that's true. Is that what? Yeah. What does that count as? I mean, I'd call it period There's because like ogres it's, and it, stuff though. Yeah, but there weren't ogres in medieval England. No. Oh, okay. Shit. <laughs> Did you come prepare just pages of ogres bits? Yeah, I got ogre, just ogre, ogre talk, ogre fever. It's all Shrek content. <laughs> Shrek is a documentary, right? That was based. That's just what England was like. Is there what? Just very quick beat. What is there anything you could possibly pair as the highbrow Shrek? Highbrow to Shrek. If, on this podcast, I want to say, is there like a serious Beauty and the Beast? I mean, there's the 1944, like, uh, um, 1946 uh, French uh, live action Beauty and the Beast by Jean Cocteau. I mean, that sounds. Like that's very high. Sounds like it's what I want. It's a really good movie. Yeah. Okay, yeah, check check it out if if you haven't. Um, so yeah, so like, is there? I don't know. Is this period making the argument for this? We're in the highbrow hat now. Okay, like I said, I think this is a serious drama. I think it's period. I think it's like doing very emotional thing. I think it's doing like. I think the level of violence is weirdly what makes it 
Uh, I think the fact that the that movie there's less there, there's less than you want, or there's more than you want. I think it's less celebratory of the violence than a lower brow movie would be, and the fact that Maximus doesn't isn't like jazzed about it. I yeah, think, they do it, pitch violence as being traumatic, right? Which I think is more of a highbrow move. Um, so I guess the thing is this is this genre. I mean, the genre isn't inherently highbrow, but like as it relates to no, like, if anything, it's inherently lowbrow. lowbrow. Um, but I don't know. Like I I think it's just the fact that it is. It it aims to be historically accurate, like Tombstone did. It aims to be more historically accurate. Yeah, telling, in, in air quotes, but yeah, in, in air quotes. Um, I don't know, and and the fact that it's period, I think, is like a feather in the in the highbrow camp. I mean, I guess again, it's kind of the same where there's smoke, there's fire argument. Right. Where it's highbrow movies tend to be period movies, but the period aspect of it, aspect of it doesn't really make it seem highbrow to me. It's just that it tends to be that. And it's the that, correlation, not a cause. And it's true. There are, I mean, I think like a Tristan and his old, I don't know if you had the, the James Franco. I know of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, not not a, um, a super memorable movie. But like, you know, that's a like a Sword and Sandals epic that is uh, on its face a lowbrow yeah. movie. And again, 99% of Sword and Sandals movies are lowbrow. But I think Gladiator, uh, other things, I mean, the Gladiator, the acting, I think, it, I don't know. It's just, I don't think it is, I think it is an entertaining movie, but I don't think it is always motivated by getting to the action yeah oh but but okay again another thing that i think about the bro classics and about the kind of lowbrow movies is being very quotable and having these kind of monologues that are geared towards being very satisfying and fun to watch and they're kind of pump up it again it's like a sports movie it's like the big pump up monologue right before the the big game Mm -hmm. this movie has maybe five of those I mean, movies can have. I mean, Lord of the Rings has a bunch of those, and I, I mean, we've talked about how that's a debate episode as well, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess to me, it's I'm responding. I think with the, I don't, what the bros like doesn't make the thing eyebrow lowbrows much to me as it seems to be for you. I mean, I think like being quotable. I mean, you know, there's a lot of like, Casablanca is very quotable, and obviously, and that movie has a lot of good speeches. And, no, you're right. You I know, mean, it, it's tough because. It's. I mean, it's, it's just. It's the yeah. bad fan theory. It's so hard. I okay. This is even beyond bad fan theory, though, because I feel like there's these moments that feel like they're just designed in a lab to be cool and like and to amp you up. I know. But like, so let's take an example of that because it's a speech we 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 did here right now. That uh, my name is Maximus. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like we're Commodus. Um, you know, it, Commodus doesn't know that Maximus is there. He goes in to meet him. He's wearing a mask and he reveals himself to him very mm-hmm. proudly. And that's obviously bros fucking love that speech sure uh and it's a very like pump you up like yeah fuck yeah this is cool speech it's also a really uh emotional moment you know where he where one where he holds the restraint of not killing him in front of the kid yeah and also where him he has to like that's also where commodus tries to get him to although actually is that the so i was actually trying to kind of parse that scene Mm -hmm. does he not kill him because he because the kid's physically in the way or because he doesn't want to traumatize the kid uh, I read it as traumatized. I think either could work. Yeah. Um, but also, it's a really, really smart like uh, screenwriting thing. I think where like if the whole movie was him hiding his like identity and stuff. Yeah. It's it's the thing of just like just reveal it. You know, just get it out of the way. It's the I why like you know the most influential line of dialogue in the last like fifteen years was just I am Iron Man at the end of the first Iron Man. Yeah. Because it's, it's basically like all of Marvel just like we're not going to spend time with the same you'll discover who I am plot in every movie and have like freed them to do everything else. Yeah. Again, it's kind of how. I mean, it's probably just how memory works, but when you look back on these movies, I I was also surprised that he only has that really iconic helmet on for one just that scene, that one yeah. scene, and then it never appears again. 
it wasn't there beforehand. He just picks it up for one scene, takes it away. So that he can do the here I am reveal, basically. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because that's that that helmet, I mean, it's great production design. And I find I think that helmet is just visually so ingrained in the legacy of Gladiator. And it's only in two percent of this eight hour long movie because there's there's gladiator the movie and there's gladiator like the parts we remember the most because they've been on tnt and because you know that guy we knew in college liked us so much yeah and like it i it is it is so hard to separate them you know it, it's my um um I, my favorite joke that i told just to my own horn is you know not uh not everyone who watches entourage is an asshole but every asshole watches entourage mm-hmm. and like entourage might be a really good show but like all the first worst fucking people i knew in high school watch that show and i cannot ever like there's like a mental block in my mind that will like physically take over my body and stop me if i ever try and watch entourage I, i'd say you're, you probably wouldn't like entourage probably that not but like that I, I i am very sympathetic to the thing of like to the midichlorians of the bros as midichlorians of like signaling when a thing is lowbrow because they like swarm to it yeah but i do think gladiator more so and while it does have those you know the gory the sword throwing lowbrow elements I, it is more than its heart like a serious drama about a man like doing this thing for like the people and like for himself and like about like how do you be a virtuous man? In yeah, this time? it really like, is historical epic with a lot of ideas with a little kind of sousson of lowbrow, <laughs> a little a little sprinkling of lowbrow. I do think there is a fair argument for the for the lowbrow side. Like, I'm not like dismissing it as like. You know, like if you think this movie's lowbrow, you're a fucking dick. I think more just like to me, I think it's. I did. I. I. This was not as tough of a. This didn't break my soul like the tombstone. Yeah, the tombstone was tougher. That was, tough. that was a real hard one to do for a second debate. <laughs> yeah, I think this one. I do also agree with you that it is ultimately highbrow. Yeah. Uh, one small note, uh, which I don't know how this will start a conversation, but my professor in college thought this movie was about the Kennedys. Why? Do not know. I could not tell you. I what? I know. Why, why are you telling me this story? Because it's what's happening. Because it's weird and interesting. There's, you don't have any. You don't have any more information for me. The, I just have to go to bed thinking about why the fuck this guy would think that. Her, uh, uh, why this girl? I, uh, I apologize. Uh, no, I think part of it was you know, the line where uh, Max was like, "There was a dream that was Rome," you know, and let to make it reality. Yeah, it says Rome in it. Yeah, something about that because there's the whole thing like Camelot was related to the Kennedys, which is famously quite, not Rome. Yeah, so the thing that, she like made this connection to the, the shining city on the hill of like here we're finally going to make good on this promise of America, and that was what Rome, what Gladiator was about. I was never convinced of that. I thought Gladiator is a revenge movie. Yes, no, I always thought Gladiator was about. Oh, you mean the subtext? I thought she. Oh my god. I'm such a moron. I thought I, th- I thought you just this person was mis- went into the movie thinking it was going to be about the Kennedys, and then oh. Russell Crowe comes on. <laughs> oh no no no! She interpreted it as like a theme. Okay, the that themes makes more sense. About the this Kennedys. makes more sense. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I always thought it was one of those things. I, d- I never agreed with that take on it, but I thought it was like a weird, interesting thing. Oh, to no. read into. I'm movie. sure you can read that into okay. it. I thought this person <laughs> sat down in a movie theater, being like, "I can't wait for this Kennedy movie," and then Russell Crowe comes on, and starts throwing fucking swords at people. You got your John Kennedy. You got your Bobby. You got your Maximus Kennedy. Yeah, Maximus Kennedy. <laughs> your Proximo. Kennedy. I mean, he probably have the same speech about like. Son to a murdered, <laughs> or it'd be like oh, son yeah. to a murdered father. Uh, there are a lot of dead Kennedys. I, I like brother, so brother so to a, a brother to a murdered brother, brother to a murdered brother. <laughs> I myself killed somebody in my car, <laughs> and I will have my vengeance in this life and the next. So it's Teddy. Teddy in this scenario Kennedy, yeah. is is Maximus. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's really funny. 
<laughs> I met a Kennedy once. Oh, which one? Uh, Bobby Bobby Kennedy Jr. Cool. The one who's married to um, Cheryl Hines and is like a super shitty anti-vaxxer right now. Oh, boy. Yeah, it was a really weird experience. He, he just like didn't really acknowledge that anyone was there. Oh, that's weird. I don't like that. Yeah, I'm telling that normally I don't tell stories about like uh, celebrity people because I don't want to get in trouble. But since Bobby Kennedy Jr. is a real piece of shit who's spreading a lot of anti-vax stuff. Yeah. Um, we were at the uh, rap party for a show and his wife, Cheryl Hines, is on the show and brought him. And I was in a circle of people, uh, me and a lot of some of the writers. Uh, and we were all talking to Cheryl. And Cheryl brings over Bobby Kennedy Jr. And he, she's just like, oh, hi, this is my husband. And we're like, hi. And he's just like it on another plane of existence. Like, just not making That's eye that contact. Plan. Not making eye contact. Like, as if, like, we don't exist at the moment because, like, he's just, like, a Kennedy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that uh, we're, as I'm sitting there, I have to be next to him. And then partway through, he just turns to me. He's like, uh, so who are you, Will? And I was like, oh, so uh, these are the writers, and I'm the writers. And then he just, like, disappears again. Like, yes. uh, like as soon as he realizes we're not important enough, he disappears into his own world again. It's funny that the away. writers are not important enough. And not, like, it's like, it couldn't even get through the sentence before he didn't give a shit. That's uh, right. Yeah. Well, if you get a celebrity story, then I get a celebrity story. <laughs> Speak. I, mine's not it's not impressive <laughs> at all i fed jimon's fish one weekend my friend used to be his assistant and he went out of town so it, i got paid 50 bucks to feed his koi fish for an entire weekend so i just hung out in jimon hansu's backyard and wrote and fed his fish that's a, that seems like a good evening it was great he has he had nice a nice house, house. Yeah. yeah good actor yeah by all counts great guy yeah we love him. we love jimon well jimon's great good in this movie he's not really in this movie enough to like devote much but he is doing a good it. job oh yeah no he's great he's just like i don't really have a take on his performance other than that it is good yeah um cool uh let's talk about really scott oh, uh shit. real quick and then yeah. we can get into it because then we can talk for a while uh because we talked about him on the lost episode yeah right because we, we have a lost episode that is alien versus aliens right which we will never hear uh but Rid- ridley so ridley scott uh so here, here's here's my, my big note and i talked about in the aliens does ridley scott understand how snow works what because I noticed this in Alien as well. Like the snow in Gladiator in the opening scene, it's flying sideways. Yeah, it's or called, it's flying up because of wind. Or it's flying up. Okay, it, up it never is, comes up down. Is, up is harder to explain. It never comes down. And it, I've noticed this in American uh, American Gangster, another really Scott movie. Is very is it good. just like he has the in same Alien. snow machine vendor that he refuses to not use? I don't know. I just for some reason going back. Oh, you've 40 been talking years, about how you want to talk about Ridley Scott for like fifteen minutes, and this is what you want to talk about that he doesn't understand snow. <laughs> it's a big deal. Okay, he's he's like seventy eight. He's directed. Yeah, he's had enough time. Some of those movies have enough ever. years on this earth to understand. Snow. I know he's seen snow fall. Goes from up to down. He goes. It very simple. Very simple concept. It's like rain, but like fluffy and slow. Yeah. And it just kind of. I he this dude just like fucking loves little bits of shit flying in the air so much that he will just break the laws of physics in normal movies and have the snow flying. Like watch the opening scene of Gladiator again, which is a very good scene. Yeah. The snow does not behave like snow should behave. It is it is quantum snow. It is reverse like is reverse, reverse snow. snow. Tenant snow. I know that this is not it's hot snow that shoots up. Shots. <laughs> no, this is not like the deepest insight into Ridley Scott. No, it's very much not the deepest insight. <laughs> but this has been bothering me for literally years. Like ever yeah. since I saw American Gangster, and I was like, hmm. Uh, and I just I needed it on mic. And if you want to support our podcast, send a letter to Ridley Scott berating him for his usage of snow. Can someone just I can someone just ask him if he knows? I just want to know if he knows how snow Someone works. with access to Ridley. Someone with access to Ridley Scott. Uh, just like text him, like, hey, man, you know you know how snow is? And you just show a video of snow on your phone. Top to, snow is falling, right? Like, snow, I don't, I don't know. It's breaking my head a little bit. But Ridley Scott, good good director. Yeah. Yeah. Could you, like, identify, like, a Ridley Scott movie by sight, basically, if you didn't know it? Like, what is his... I'm not pre- the what best are his pro- person to ask about this. I know, but, As a non-student of visual filmmaking, more of a more into the writer side, but... Well, we talk highbrow, lowbrow. It's kind of a chameleon. 
Right, exactly. That's what I I think he may be the most successful chameleon ever. Like he's not he has some of the best movies ever. It's funny because Alien is very visually distinctive, but it's so it's, is Blade it's the set design that's distinctive. I don't know yeah. if it's the well, his direction is very good in that movie. Yeah, it's all very good, but they're also, let's see, big ones are Blade Runner and Alien. Yeah, uh, Thelma very, Louise. Very different. Yeah. Visually. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the top five Ridley's. Yeah, Alien, Blade Runner, I think Thelma Louise, Gladiator, and then I guess, uh, I don't know, would you put Black Hawk Down as the other one? Uh, I mean, do you want me to bring up a... I mean, I can, I can, I mean, there's got, yeah, you got your legend, you got your A Good Year, uh, American Gangster, um, you know, The Martian. Yeah. A lot of people really like The Martian. Yeah, people like The Martian. That doesn't feel like a iconic kind of movie, though, but... Um, is there an obvious one I'm forgetting? Um, actually, oh, <laughs> this is not an obvious one, but he did do G.I. Jane, which I do want to do on this podcast at oh, some point. I forgot he did that. Kingdom of, Oh, Kingdom of Heaven is also an interesting Ooh. one for period piece. Have American you, Gangster, did you say that? Yeah, that's a good movie. Uh, did you ever see the Kingdom of Heaven director's cut? No, I don't think I've seen the uh, theatrical cut. So I saw it in the theaters and it wasn't very, I didn't like it, but apparently the director's cut is like a top like five really movie. Like some film critics are like, I can't believe they didn't release the actual movie because it's like tremendous. Interesting. I yeah. think you named all the big ones. Prometheus, I guess. Yep. Whatever. Yeah, we don't, we, we, we shit on Prometheus a lot in the, uh, in the last episode. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's weird. I feel like Ridley deserves some discussion, but like, it's just that he's really, really talented. Has made some visually distinctive movies. Some of the, some, like I said, some of the best movies ever. Right. Um, but what is there to say about him as an auteur? Right. He's kind of distant. I know, yeah. like, like like Tony Scott movies were more distinctive, even right. though they were not maybe as good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Shit, cool. That's it. Go well, play my, a game. Yeah, that's my take. Okay. <laughs> cool. Right. I, I got through all my notes. Uh, you know, fucking text me with your Ridley, your Ridley takes. I guess. Uh, you have a game. Okay. Do so every week, one of us will find a list online, and then we will try to get the other person to guess the movies or actors or whatever the items are from the list. So this week, I found my list by typing in Gladiator into lists on Letterbox. Okay. Cool. And one of the lists I got was movies that are improved by adding in my ass to the end of the title. <laughs> oh, wow. Gladiator is one of them, but it is not in the top 10 or even, I don't think, top 50. It shouldn't be. In the, I, didn't, I shouldn't be on that list. Yeah, Gladiator in the <laughs> ass also doesn't make sense. <laughs> Kingdom of Heaven would be better. Yeah. Spoil that, that's actually pretty good. Spoiler alert, Kingdom of Heaven is not in the top 10. Okay, cool. All right. I, I, I will say my favorite part about this list, I can't guess it right off the bat. I can't just start saying things. I can start making just think of Just think of blankety blank in my ass, and then you'll get it. Uh, Thelma and Louise. Okay, go ahead. Okay, this first film is stars Oscar Isaac. It is from 2014. It's a crime drama. Uh, a Most Violent Year? Yes. Really? That's number one. A Most Violent Year in My Ass. Is it? Is this alphabetical? Uh... No. Oh, okay. That's almost like, really, I don't really. I, I shout out to Robert on Letterboxd who <laughs> did this list. I don't know what his reasoning was. I think um, I'm. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm really thrown. I wouldn't have expected that to even make the top ten. So I'm really excited to see what else comes up. All right, this next one's animated. Okay. It is from 2015. It's got a real murderer's row of. Is it? comedians what is it finding dory it is not finding dory okay um a lot of the characters are abstract 
concepts. Oh, 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 oh. is it uh, Inside Out? Yes. Inside Out in my ass. Ugh. Yeah. I could do better. Okay. This one, I'm just, I want to see if you can impress us real quick. Okay. This might be the first thing you think of when you think of blank in my ass for a movie. It is gross. There will be blood? Yes. <laughs> there will be blood in my ass. Great movie. Great movie. See, that's what I thought would be number one. The fact that Inside Out and a Most Violent Year Above really puts into question the integrity of this ass list, Robert. I mean, hey, listeners, if you don't agree, comment on Robert's letterbox. <laughs> we'll put a link to it. Roast him. Okay. What else you got? All right. This, this, la- this next one is a black and white film. Okay. It is a classic. There's an there's an episode of Inside Amy Schumer that parodies it. Oh, Twelve Angry Men. Yes. Okay, that's great. Yeah, because yeah, in Twelve the joke on Amy Schumer was Twelve Angry Men Inside, Inside Amy, Amy Schumer. Schumer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This guy's stealing Amy Schumer jokes. Yeah, this now. whole list could just be blank movie Inside Amy Schumer. This is making me confused and upset. All right, this Continue. next one is a sequel. Okay, it's animated. Hmm. Oh, man, that's weird. I feel like a lot of sequels, anime sequels just have two. Is it like an American tale, Five Little Goes West? <laughs> In my ass? That's pretty good, actually. Apparently not. Uh, uh, it's a side character who finally gets a movie, who has their own movie. Puss in Boots? No. You've already mentioned it. Oh, it's Fighting Dory? Yes. <laughs> I feel like I had to say it because I think you were getting thrown off by the fact that you'd already said Fighting Dory. That's true. Fighting Dory, man. Okay. All right. Ugh. Okay. This next one is kind of a deep cut because it's a short film. Hmm. Is it a short film? Well, that, like, not not, I, a, not a short film, short film, but it's not feature length. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. It is a very un- It's an animated film. Okay. Very unique, very sparse animation style. Oh, is it? Uh, is it a Don Hertzfeld? Yes. Is it? Uh, now think of the titles. Which title? I know. I know. There's three. Is it? It's such a beautiful day. Yes. Yes, it is. Because the other ones are, we have World of Tomorrow in my ass or um, Rejected Cartoons in my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it just called Rejected? I think it's just called Rejected Rejected in my my ass. ass. Also good. That's pretty good. But you're right. Yeah. It's such a beautiful day. Have you ever seen It's Such a Beautiful Day? I don't think I have. I've seen Rejected. I've seen World of Tomorrow 1 and 2. I I just got the uh, Blu-ray DVD of all three World of Tomorrow episodes. I, I haven't seen I, three yet. I, don't have, I haven't seen three either. When did they come out? Last year. Okay. Yeah. If yeah. you've never seen any Don Hertzfeld stuff, check it out. I yeah. mean, I think the most accessible is Rejected. Yeah, it's, it's on YouTube. It's the funniest. Yeah. I've, uh, I also World of Tomorrow is like I think one of the best short films oh, it's, ever. It's a beautiful film, yeah. but it's more serious. It is often funny, yeah. but it is a lot more heartfelt. It's got on its mind. Rejected is just funny it's as hell. It's just bananas. I love it. It's a movie that we used to quote endlessly in middle school. Yeah. I might go home and watch it right now. Yeah, I might too. But like, let's finish this list. What else you got? Okay, this next a lot of animated movies in this list. I mean, I'm not they, sure why. I mean, I don't know. Like it, it the juxtaposition. Is it American Tale to Five Goes West? No. Okay. okay, it is not rated G. Uh, the Incredibles. It's rated PG. It's not rated PG. Hmm. Animated movie. Is it an anime? N- no, it's CGI. CGI, not rated G or PG. It. Is made very cheaply. It is. Let's see. Oh, I am really thrown by this one. Uh, what's the year? The year is 2016. It's rated R. An R rated. Oh, 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 oh. 
It's it's sausage party. Yes, it's sausage, sausage party. party. Oh, that's good. I, that movie is so funny. I completely forget it exists. I I don't know why it hasn't had the staying power. Is it yeah. just because it's too weird to just throw on when you're hanging with friends? Maybe that's it's my theory. Like the, so we we talked about a thing. I think we talked about in the lost episode originally the dark room test. Right. So dark room is this bar in L.A. It's on Melrose, right? Yeah. Yeah, really fun bar, but they'll often just have movies on in the background and TVs mm-hmm. in the corner. And I think one time we were hanging out there and Apocalypto was on and we right. just all cut. It was four guys just got stuck in the corner watching Apocalypto with the sound off. Right. Because the dark room, it, it's very dark. It plays very loud music. It's very packed all the time, but it just has a TV in every corner playing the same movie. Yeah. So if the movie is visually like well-directed, well-shot, well-put-together, it will... Like get your attention even in the dark room. So that's what we call the dark room test. If right. it passes the dark room test, if it is visually engaging with the sound off for you to want to watch it still. And I think Sausage Party might be the anti-dark room it's test really because it's really unpleasant. It's really unpleasant to watch. <laughs> the things that are happening on screen are unpleasant to watch. It's upsetting. Like it's it's like ugly it's and poorly gr- animated. It is. It's so funny though. It's so it's good. So funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How many how many more of these ass movies we got? Three more. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. We're gonna speed it up. All right. What do we got? Okay, neo-noir psychological thriller. It is from 2016. It's based mm. on the 1993 novel. Mm. stars Amy Adams. Uh, filmed in Los Angeles. Oh. oh. Premiered at the 73rd Venice International Film Festival. Uh, oh, this is really competed for. Me. It won the Grand Jury Prize at Venice. Is it Nocturnal Animals? Yes. Nocturnal Animals in my, in my ass. ass. These are interesting because I think he's it, he's going less towards like... It's more like putting, like inserting things in your it's ass. It's like what objects would be funny to be in my ass. Like the, uh, the less there will be blood jokes, more Dory. Yeah, yes, it's, it's more things going in your ass than coming out of your ass. Right. Which is, I mean, that's that's a new take on putting stuff in your ass. That's what he thinks is funny. And who am I, this guy put this? Robert. Many, Robert put. Say his name. Robert. Uh, how many how many movies are on this list? Oh, on the list, the total, whole list. Total. Does it say it should be in the top, top right? Uh, in the top right, there are two hundred and sixty-one. Ooh, okay. I have watched ninety-one of them. <laughs> We're not doing all of them. We're not doing all. Of them. We're two doing more. the top ten. There's two okay, more. Two more. This one, one of the leads is an actor from the movie we watched, Gladiator. Is it Joaquin Phoenix? No. Is it uh, Russell Crowe? Yes. Okay. Is okay. So it's a Russell Crowe movie, A Beautiful Mind. No, that's <laughs> that one doesn't even work, but it still feels funny. That won't work. Okay, is okay, it, it is. Uh, can, can I get the year? Twenty sixteen. Oh, twenty sixteen. Russell Crowe movie. It's uh, made by a writer director. Oh, oh, it's it's the nice guys. Yeah, it's the nice guys in my ass. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, nice guys love that movie. It's a really it's an under underrated Shane Black movie. Although really I don't know is is there a such thing as an underrated Shane Black movie because some of them are overrated. I don't know. He's a, he's a weird figure. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I do love the nice guys. I do love Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I have not seen The Predator. That I think it's the one I, I haven't didn't. seen that. No. Um, okay. Uh, All right. Last one, one. More ass movie. Okay. Superhero movie. Okay. Uh, writer director, but the writer works with his brother. The okay, so it's in one of the Nolans. Yes. Okay, which one would be funnier? Which of the would it be? Batman Begins in my ass, <laughs> The Dark Knight in my ass. Or the Dark Knight uh, rises in my ass. I'm gonna say I don't think you're gonna agree that this is the funniest one. Oh, is it the Dark Knight? No. Oh, okay. Well, I think Batman Begins in my ass is by far the funniest. No, it's one. the Dark Knight Rises <laughs> in my ass. It's the one that the only one that doesn't make sense. 
<laughs> Robert, you did a terrible job. I think Batman Begins in My Ass is so much funnier. Batman Begins in My Ass is way so better because better. then it implies that he goes somewhere else. <laughs> right. The Dark Knight Rises in My Ass doesn't make any sense. Right. It just, I, it just, where's he going? What's the Dark Knight in My Ass makes more sense. Right. And that's the only funny. The Batman Begins in My Ass is great because it like it tells a story. Robert, you idiot. <laughs> oh, God. Um, that was, that was lovely. That was a great, <laughs> a really funny list. All right. Um, got any Rex? Got any Rex. Okay. Yeah. I saw, um, a movie called A Hero. It's an Iranian movie, uh, an Iranian directed name, Asghar, uh, Farhadi. Uh, I, I had a, I have a membership to the, um, American Cinema Tech, so I got to see a free showing at, uh, where he did a little Q&A. Really good movie, uh, Iranian movie. He, it's about someone who finds uh, a bag of money in the street and like gives it back and gets a little bit of like press for it like oh this nice guy did this nice thing and uh it basically just like destroys his life wow just the attention of like oh this guy's a hero and everyone pays attention just suddenly like things from his past start coming out oh it's kind of how like winning the lottery is a curse on a lot of people right it's like people like oh did it really happen that way all this attention social media gets out of hand like all people start picking apart little parts of the story he may have like fudge to help help protect people uh it's so stressful um and it's, it's just like people talking in rooms about this stuff it's really really stress- i think it's also a very good depiction of uh social media and what's stressful about it because it never actually like shows the tweets and stuff it just says like people are saying this very quickly and it gets that sense of things getting out of hand um so the q a was it was really cool because most of the crowd was iranian so and farhadi was speaking in, in in farsi so whenever he would speak like most of the crowd would laugh before the translator spoke. And then, like, when the translator did the joke, like, you know, me and the nine other white guys would be like, oh, eh, that, I guess that's, that's funny. pretty funny. Yeah, it was like in waves. That's pretty good. Uh, so, really cool movie. I think it's coming out in January. I think it'll be on Amazon Prime. Uh, just really, really cool, interesting movie that I, I really recommend. Fantastic. And, uh, and now for something completely different. Mine is Auntie Donna's Big Ol' House of Fun, which is a show that is currently streaming on Netflix. I don't know if they're billing it as the Netflix original, but it is, it's an adaptation of a stage show by this uh, comedy group called Auntie Donna. And it's kind of like Tim and Eric in that it's very, uh, I mean, you've seen it too. Yeah. It's like very uh, surrealist humor, really aggressive, kind of hard to watch more than one episode at a time, it's but it's a lot to take. In. Also hilarious. It's so funny. If, I remember we saw it. We were just hanging out one day. And we were flipping through deep into Netflix and it just, it auto played and we were like, what in God's name is this? Yeah. And if you, if you're not sure if you would like the whole show, I would say check out the Ellen DeGeneres sketch, which I think if you look for it online, it's going to be from their live show, but it's still very funny. It's basically, they do, they have one sketch. that's just a taping of the Ellen DeGeneres show that goes in unexpected, insane directions. And it's very fun. Really, really good. I that not for everyone, but like so fun. I mean, if you really like the Tim Robinson stuff on Netflix, you should, you have to watch the show as well. Yeah. Uh, great. Uh, as always, uh, there's three things you got to do. Cooper, what are they? Ray. Review, subscribe, great, do them, uh, and we, send mean letters to Ridley Scott about snow. Well, just, just we just need. I, I really just need to know. Track him down. I need it if you. If there's an interview where he mentions it. Is it? Is if is, is there a, a like a analysis, a book about his work that like explains it? Yeah, it, it, it's fucking me up, and I got to know. And I'm not covering another Ridley movie on this show until we have, a, a, a theory, a working theory, and also find it and kill Robert. Because that list is ridiculous. That list was garbage. There's so many better jokes the on wrong, the table. Pick the wrong Christopher Nolan Batman movie, and it, we can't forgive him. And for that. it's ruined my whole day, Robert. Alrighty, all uh, lowercase. Goodbye forever. forever.